One of my favorite words is the word practice. You want to get good, better at anything, you have to practice. And so the more you practice, the better you get, the faster you get. I took voice lessons a couple of years ago. Uh, and I took the first lesson and uh, took it from Daniel Summers. And uh, he gave me some this tape that I had to practice with. And the next week I had my lesson and he said, uh, did, it doesn't sound like you practiced. I said, I didn't. I didn't have time. He said, well, you, you know, I'm not doing these lessons for free. And this is a waste of time, this lesson, if you didn't practice. So let's just cancel this and we'll do it next week after you practice. And then he said, I tell you what, before we have the lesson, why don't you call me and tell me whether you practiced or not? And if you didn't, we won't meet. Uh, and if you did, then we will. Well, that was my last lesson. Uh, just couldn't seem to fit in the practice time. I was thinking that maybe he'd just be able to, you know, pretty easy go to a couple lessons and I'd be a good singer. I'd be up here leading worship instead of Jerry. But uh didn't turn out that way. I'm not going to help Jerry do worship because it wouldn't sound very good because I didn't practice. So if you're going to get to play the keyboard, uh, you got to practice. And if you're going to sing, you got to practice. And uh, just about anything, if you're going to do it well, you're going to practice. And so I like that word practice. Uh, because that's how you get good. I'm, uh, I like to learn a new skill every year. And, uh, I have this little thing. It's, uh, it's for sharpening drill bits. It's just a little gizmo. It's got a guide in it. And you put a drill bit in it and you put it in there a certain distance and tighten it up and put it in thing and turn it. And then I was watching this drill, this uh, video thing. And the guy says, uh, only, uh, Dumb people use those little gizmos. If you're good, you just do it by hand with the, with the electric grinder. You just look at it and watch it and you practice. And you can do it so much quicker and so much better. So I watched the YouTube video and did one. Well, it, it might have drilled dirt. It wasn't too sharp. So I did it again. And I did it again. Pretty soon the drill bit was about an inch long, so I had to move to a different drill bit. Uh, and I don't know how many hours I was on that grinder doing that and then drilling and watching the YouTube and then doing it and drilling it and watching the YouTube. But finally, it drilled really good. Just doing it with my eyeball. I have this little pair of magnifying things, but I can sharpen a drill bit now so that it's really sharp and it drills good without using the little guide thing. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself in that uh, accomplishment and the key was practice. So whatever you do, you're going to get better if you practice and if you don't, you won't. And the average individual doesn't ever, well I shouldn't say ever, rarely acquires a new skill whether it be sharpening a drill bit or singing or play the piano or play the guitar, uh, whatever it is, because we don't take the time to practice. If it's not an easy thing that we can pick up in a few minutes with no cost and little practice, we tend not to do it. 
But my goal of learning a new skill every year sort of forces me into figuring out what I'm going to learn to do. Some of them don't take much practice. You just have to follow the directions. I made a goal of uh, doing that, so I learned to make soap. That was pretty easy. I just followed the instructions. Step one, step two, first try. Voila, good soap, no practice required. Those are nice things to learn, but usually that's not the way it goes. You have to practice. And so I'm in the process of learning how to weld. I, you know, I can kind of weld, but it, it's the kind of weld that you want to put something over the top of it so nobody can see it. And uh, my dad used to say the difference between a good weld and a bad weld is 15 minutes of grinding. With my welds, it's more like 30 minutes of grinding. But I'm learning. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. I'm getting better. The more I practice, the better I get. And so we're talking about how to become holy and righteous, how to become like Jesus Christ in character, how to become mature and grown up so that when we step into heaven, we're like him. And uh, the, uh, the key word is practice. We practice uh, with piano. You have these basic drills you practice with the Christian life. We call them uh, the basic disciplines of the Christian life. And there's a number of them. We just do it over and over and over and over and over. And the more we do them, the practice of these basic disciplines, the more we grow. It's as simple as learning how to play the piano. Number one, the pursuit of holiness is like the choice to learn to play the piano. It's a commitment to practice and training. It's a commitment to practice and training. Now, if you don't take the time, if you don't make the effort, if you don't have the discipline to do the practice, you're not going to grow. And that's why most believers don't grow much because they don't do these disciplines on a faithful and a regular basis. Number two, when most hear the phrase, pursue holiness, they think of just trying harder. You know, you just try to be good and you get better. And you try to be holy and you'll become holy and it just doesn't work. And so that would work about as well as me sitting down and trying to play the keyboard by trying harder. It isn't going to happen. Uh, no matter how hard I try because I don't know what I'm doing. There's no skill acquired. Number three, a basic truth in pursuing holiness is that the inside must be changed before the outside can be changed. So if we're going to try harder, we're talking about what I say and what I do and how I act and how I respond, which is the outside. And you can train, you can change the outside by trying harder. The problem is, is it's temporary. As soon as you have a bad day, as soon as you get up on the wrong side of the bed, as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as, as, soon as uh, uh, you, know, you just kind of revert back. To simply try harder on the outside to change the way you act is like taking a spring and forcing it to a different position and then uh, you turn it loose, it goes right back to where it was. And so if you want to change your the way you act, you have to change your character. It starts with the inside before uh, the outside will change. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. He said in Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first, notice that word, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. So you change your character and your behavior will change. You try to change your behavior without changing your character and it'll work on good days, but on bad days you will not be able to pull it off.
Uh, there's too much tension between what you really are on the outside and how you're trying to act on the outside. And uh, so we have to change the inside. So the big question is, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, you certainly don't change the inside by simply trying harder. Matthew twelve thirty four. you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. In other words, what's on the inside determines what comes out. What's on the inside determines how we act. Matthew fifteen eighteen. but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. Out of the heart, that's, that's what is on the inside. So you change the inside, then the outside will follow. Number four, the decision to pursue holiness on the inside is like the decision to pursue good health. It's mostly about diet and exercise. So what would you think of me if I said, you know, I, I've decided I want to be healthy. And so I'm going to just, <clears throat> I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be healthy. And if I get a cold, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> pretend like I don't have it. Just will myself through it. How successful were you at willing yourself through COVID, James? Not too good? No, you were kind of a wimp there for a few days. Um, so if you want to change your health, if you want to become a healthy individual, I didn't think a whole lot about it when I was younger because, you know, I didn't need to. But now that I'm older, I like the idea of being as healthy as I possibly can. And so when I think about what do I need to do to be healthy, well, there's really only two things uh, that I figured out, and that is uh, my diet, what I eat, and my exercise. Now, part of my diet thing is no sugar. But I ate some today. You know why? Because my self-control level when it comes to sugar is pretty wimpy. So, when we talk about trying harder, there is an element of self-control that becomes important because you're not going to practice the piano if you don't have some self-control to do it. And you're not going to keep from eating sugar if you don't have self, some self-control to do it. You're not going to exercise if you don't have some self-control to make it happen. So uh, the average Christian doesn't grow because they don't seem to be able to read their Bible faithfully. Uh, but there's just those basic disciplines that you have to do regularly. And so I have this routine that revolves around my health physically and has to do with what I eat and my exercise. And so I rarely go to bed at night without having ridden my stationary bike for an hour minimum, usually an hour and a half. Uh, sometimes people will say, you must really like riding that bike. I say, I hate every second of it. It's, I say to my son-in-law, Thomas, I'm going out into the torture room. going to ride my bike. So the only thing that makes it bearable is that on my bike I have this little table. It's a recumbent. The, the seat's not too bad. On the little table I put my iPad and then I can do my Bible reading and my scripture memory and I can do my praying. And if there's a, a game on that I want to watch, I can even watch the game 
And uh, I like to watch YouTubes on how to sharpen drill bits and how to tune up cars and how to catch fish. And I can make the hour and a half go pretty fast uh, by what I read and what I study and what I listen to while I'm doing it. But every night I, I ride that stupid bike. Hour and a half. Why? Because I'd like to be healthy. And it makes a huge difference when I do it. And I notice a huge difference when I go a week without eating any sugar. Um, I have Parkinson's and sugar aggravates it. And if I don't eat any sugar for a whole week, man, I, am, I feel so much better. And I move so much better. And I have so uh, few uh, less aches and pains. You'd think it'd be a piece of cake to pull that one off. But it's pretty simple. Control what I eat and exercise. So how are you going to change your heart, your character? The inside. It's all about diet and exercise. Uh, same thing that is true physically is true spiritually. Hebrews 5.12 For though by this time you ought to be teachers. In other words, you should have grown up to the point where you can be teaching others. Now Estimated, if you read a commentary of people that study this time, that he was writing to individuals that have been believers for two years, approximately. You've been Christians for two whole years. You should be teaching others. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk, not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Not accustomed to the word of righteousness. What's that mean? They didn't read their Bibles. Not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Theirs was mostly the Old Testament back then. Uh, For he is an infant. Solid food is for the mature, the grown-up, who because of practice, practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice. The Greek word there is gymnasto. It's where we get the word gymnastics. Uh, solid food is for the mature grown up because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil number five people who have bad health because of poor diet and no exercise have a problem because <clears throat> the lack of self-control so I go and speak to uh, about twice a year usually to a, a Parkinson's support group it's people that all have Parkinson's and I get invited to come speak on exercise because of the bicycle trips that I take. And uh, so there'll be a group and I'm looking at them as I talk and as I say, you need to exercise. It really helps. Look at me. I'm exercising and I'm walking around without a cane and, and I got a little bit of tremor, but not bad. You hardly know I do it. It's because of exercise. Exercise is so important. You all got to exercise. And so I just say exercise. And I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself, this is an absolute waste of time. I mean, I can tell that not one of these individuals that I'm talking to is going to exercise. And the reason is because it's hard. It's easier to stay in the wheelchair, stay in the chair, use the cane, exercise, especially if you haven't been doing it. It takes quite a bit of effort to make it happen. And they're simply not going to do it. And so... A lot of Christians like that. Read your Bible every day. First uh, Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven. Don't you know? Whenever Paul says that, 
uh, it means this is really important. Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, in all things, in every detail of their life. They do that to win a, a race, a football game, a basketball game. They exercise and they practice over and over and over again to win a prize. But in a year, nobody will even know who won it. They'll have forgotten and someone else will win it. Uh, they run... Uh, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath. That is a prize that won't last. But we an imperishable. That is, we exercise self-control in every detail of our life to win a prize that will last forever. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. A box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body. I discipline my body, my flesh... Make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I discipline my body. I exercise self-control in every detail of my life. And so when I get home tonight, there's a half a cherry pie on the back porch, on the table. I saw it this morning. And it happens to be that my stationary bike is on the back porch. Right where that piece of pie is. Wouldn't you think it would be okay to eat a piece after I'd bicycled for an hour? Wouldn't that be all right? Seems like it to me. <laughs> Exercise self-control in every detail of your life to win a prize that will last forever. And so the same way I pursue good health is the same way I pursue holiness. It's all about diet and exercise. Sex Christians who have not grown in holiness and righteousness have a problem because their flesh is running their life instead of their spirit. And so my flesh basically has a will of its own. My flesh loves ice cream, loves cherry pie, uh, loves popcorn. Oh, wow, all that stuff. My flesh just loves it. And so Paul said, I... I discipline my flesh, make it my slave, lest after I have preached to you, I myself would be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you're not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? So we live inside of this thing, this body that uh, has all these desires and urges and impulses. And if we're going to be holy, we have to conquer our flesh. We have to control, discipline our flesh so that it doesn't run our life. That's not easy to do. And the key is practice, repetition of basic disciplines. Romans seven fourteen. for we know that the law is spiritual. I am a flesh. I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. What I'm doing, I do not understand, for I am pra not practicing what I would like to do. I'm doing the very thing I hate. If I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. This is sort of like the COVID virus. It's a virus that gets in you and controls you. This sin is controlling. No longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. The willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. 
I was praying the other day and I, I said, Lord, I just want to thank you that there's no quota on my confession of this particular sin that I've committed and confessed 10,000 times minimum. I get so weary, Lord, of coming back and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. Would you forgive me? And I'm never going to do that again. And then, Lord, here I am again. It's this thing I live in. It just pulls and tempts and deceives. Number seven, Christians who have not grown in holiness and righteousness have a problem because the devil is running their life instead of the spirit. So we've got more than one problem that we're dealing with. Our flesh is a big issue and then there's the devil and he knows what your flesh is like and he's expert. He's been practicing for quite a few years on how to get me and you to sin. He knows what our flesh is like. He does that primarily by talking to us. He tempted Eve by talking to her. He can't read our minds, but he can certainly communicate to us so that we have thoughts pop into our mind from him as the source. And he knows exactly when to put certain thoughts in our head. I mean, I'm expecting that tonight when I walk into the back porch and my bike is over there and the pie is over there, a thought's going to pop into my head. And he's good. I mean, he, he knows how to time it. Perfect. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, the schemes of the devil. He's all kinds of strategies and plans, and he has a whole book just on you and just on me. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Number eight, Christians who have not grown in holiness and righteousness have a problem because the world is running their life instead of their heart. So we got the flesh and we got the devil, and now we got the world, this thing we live in all around us. The advertisements and the stuff everywhere and the philosophies and the lies. First John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So my observation as a pastor over the years, if somebody would have said, what's the biggest problem that Christians in your church have? The flesh, the devil, or the world? Now they work together, but my observation is the world is the big problem that most believers have. They become entangled in the world. They own the world. It controls their time. It controls their money. It controls their energy. And the basic principle is to the degree that you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove it the will of God as that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Number nine, believers who conquer their flesh, the devil and the world are overcomers. Overcomers. So if we're going to become holy like Jesus, if I'm going to become like him, I need to overcome my flesh, I need to overcome the devil, I need to overcome the world. 
I need to conquer them. The Greek word for overcome is the word nekeo. We get the word Nike. It means to be a champion, to win the boxing match, to win the race. Overcomers. You beat your flesh, the devil, and the world. You conquer them, and then you become holy in the process. 1 John 2.13, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Overcome the evil one. That's past tense. They did it. They have overcome the evil one. They've conquered him, stomped him under their feet. I've written to you children because you know the father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong. The Word of God abides in you. The Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So that's what I want to do. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I, Jesus speaking, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. 1 John 4, 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Revelations 2.26, he who overcomes. Now these are rewards in, in Revelations 2 and 3, given at the judgment seat of Christ on the basis of how we've lived. He who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. The vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. I will give him the morning star. He who is an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, he who overcomes and keeps my deeds, I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule with me. Revelations 3.12, he overcomes. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. We overcome our flesh, we overcome the devil, we overcome the world. Revelations 3.21 He who overcomes, I will grant him to him to sit down with me on my throne. Now that's a cool reward right there. He who overcomes, I will grant to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that's a reward for overcomers. That's not a a synonym for being a believer. It's being someone who has conquered their flesh, the devil, and the world and is pursuing holiness because of it. Number 10, becoming an overcomer is all about diet and exercise. All about diet and exercise. Number 11, a physical diet is all about choosing what you put into your physical body. A spiritual diet is all about choosing what you put into your minds and your heart. One of the things that I say in my leadership class is the old uh, 
computer slogan, garbage in, garbage out. It's whatever you program into the computer is what you get out of it. Whatever you put into your brain, whatever you read, whatever you spend time taking in through your senses, that's what's on the inside and that's what's going to come out. That's how you're going to act. And so you choose what you feed yourself. And if you spend the bulk of your time reading Facebook and and watching television, reading the news and other garbage, you're going to have a tough time. That's worse than eating sugar. But if you read the Bible, memorize the Bible, study it, um, read good books, take good stuff in, feed your spirit, your heart, your soul, positive things on a regular basis, then that's how you will think and that's how you'll act and you'll change yourself from the inside out. Number 11, uh, okay, I read that one. First Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow. Long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow. Number 12, no one will successfully become an overcomer who does not systematically memorize and meditate on God's word. Somebody the other day, I talked about memorizing, and they said, how much should I memorize? I says, so if I had a goal of becoming 400 pounds, that was my goal. And here I am today at half of that. What would determine how long it took me to get to my goal? Pretty easy, isn't it? Eat two pies instead of one. Eat a gallon of ice cream instead of half a gallon. Just eat more. The more you eat, the faster you'll get fat. So you want to become holy. You become holy by diet and exercise. Practice taking in to your heart and your mind. How much should I memorize? You want to grow a little bit or a lot? You want to change rapidly? Or do you want to change so slowly that nobody can even see it? Uh, it's all depends. And if you're content, and the biggest problem we have in growing is the fact that we, ah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm way more holy than James is, so why get excited? We just look at others. We compare with each other. We are not looking at the judgment seat. We're not thinking about Jesus. We're not thinking about who we are. Our desire to grow is so wimpy that we're not motivated to practice much, to discipline much, uh, to really work at it. Psalms 1, 2 through 3, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Psalms 119, 9 through 11, How can a young man, my Bible says, old man, Keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured. I have treasured. That means memorized. Your word I have memorized that I may not sin against you. Psalms 37, 31. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The law of his God is in his heart. He's memorized it. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart. And on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. Psalms 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So, 
practice. Uh, just let me suggest some basic disciplines that we can do routinely, faithfully, over and over and over and over again. And so the most important, the most basic of all the disciplines is read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Always somebody that says, how about five times a week? You can do it five times a week, but the problem is is it never becomes a habit. Nothing that you do five days a week will become a habit. If you do it every day, it'll become a habit. And once it becomes a habit, the the effort to do it lightens up considerably. But if you want to keep it just have to make it happen then stay at five days a week but every day read your Bible I mean even five minutes even five minutes it's not that hard except your flesh hates reading the Bible the devil does not want you reading the Bible the world thinks it's stupid so you got all this stuff pulling against you but if you think this is so important for me to become like Jesus And I need to do it every day if I want to grow consistently and develop it as a habit. And so just control the way you talk to yourself uh, and overcome the voice of your flesh and the devil and the world. Second discipline is give God some time every day, 15 minutes. 15 minutes is uh, just a couple of TV advertisements, a halftime in a football game of just you and God uh, talking, praying to him. Uh, just 15 minutes. Sometimes people say 15 minutes isn't very long. I know it, but very, very few people do it. And, you know, I know that there's those who say, well, I pray while I'm driving to work and I pray while I'm weeding the garden and I pray while I'm washing the dishes. That's cool. But you need to give God some undivided attention where you're not doing anything else. If you're always giving him time that you're doing something else with, it sends a message. I think I told you this story, but it's one of my favorites. Back when the kids were all home and uh, we were, you know, the church was young and there was problems and I was working like a dog and Patty would say, we need to talk. I'd say, yeah, 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 we do. We will. And then she would say in a couple more days, we need to talk. I said, yeah, yeah, we need to do. Okay, we will. We will. And she kind of kept at it. We need to talk. You know, we got these kids and, and I said, and so one day I said, I got an idea. I tell you what, let's watch Monday Night Football together. You make the popcorn, I'll bring the soda pop, and then the advertisements will talk. How did I do on that one? You know what she did? She started crying. I'm thinking, women, who can understand them? You're thinking, you really didn't. Uh, I don't We'll just let you guess on that one. <laughs> so you're just going to give God leftover time. Convenient, comfortable. Yeah, it's good to pray while you drive to work. It's good to pray while you're washing the dishes. It's good to pray when you're doing all that stuff. But if that's all you give God, you're sending him a message very clearly saying, oh God, that's all you're worth to me is leftover, convenient, easy, comfortable time. 15 minutes a day, just you and God, nothing else, is not very much. But if you do it every day, every day, every day, like practicing the piano, it would begin to make a huge difference in your heart, on the inside, as you spend time with God. Spend some time while you're praying, thinking about who you are. Self-examination, reflective thinking. 
what your character is like, what some of your blind spots are, what are some of the areas you repetitively sin in, uh, and confess all known sin to him. That ought to be just a, even a couple of minutes during your prayer time of uh, reviewing the last argument you had with your spouse, difficulty with the neighbor, some other uh, bitterness that may have popped up into your mind or your heart. Think about who you are, what your problems are. Confess them to God. That is huge in changing the inside of your uh, of your life. Gather together with other believers like tonight and also in smaller groups where you can share and, and hold each other accountable, share your goals, uh, encourage one another. It's a basic biblical principle. God created us as... Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a trinity. There's a, there's a oneness in multiple persons. We're created in His image and in His likeness. And the fact is, we don't function well at all as an individual apart from other people. And so it's a discipline to spend time with others in a, in a situation where we can share and they can share and we can encourage and we can pray for and we can hold each other accountable. That gathering is absolutely essential Read some good books, good Christian books on a regular basis. Uh, listen to sermons. My rule in life is I'm sitting, I read. If I'm moving, I listen. Nowadays, it's a piece of cake. I've got hearing aids that they Bluetooth with my phone, and so I can listen to podcasts while I'm driving, while I'm mowing my lawn. I went out today and worked for 30 minutes on my car, and while I was doing that, I listened uh, to a sermon. And so I take in as much good stuff, good preaching, good teaching, through my reading, my listening, uh, as I possibly can, because the more I eat spiritually, uh, the fatter I will become spiritually. I set goals uh, that are focused on my disciplines, goals regarding my Bible reading, regarding my prayer life, regarding the books I read, regarding the sermons I listen to, regarding gathering together with other believers. And I read my goals every day, so I'm motivated to do them. Corporate prayer is incredibly powerful to change the inside of our life, praying with other believers. A lot of Christians rarely do that because it takes too much time. But it is a very, very important discipline if we're going to grow spiritually. One of the things that is a great discipline thing to do if you want if you're really serious about growing rapidly is to go on a short-term mission trip to a third world country uh, it's incredibly powerful it changes you on the inside in a short amount of time now it takes time away from whatever you normally do it's going to take some money to do it not a lot of people do it but my experience is i've gone with people as i've gone we took all our, our goal was to take every kid that we had all eight to a third world country before they graduated from high school because we knew the impact it would have on their life. So you can make that choice. You can do that. There's all kinds of opportunities through our church to do that. And a really important one is to have a ministry of some sort. Teach third graders. Mow the lawn. Something that you're doing for the Lord, for the, your church, with your, as you work at discovering what your spiritual gift is. 
It's very, very powerful discipline is to give time to your church, to people, meeting needs, establish a ministry. Everybody ought to have a ministry that they're dreaming about, that they're working on, that they're getting better at, that is growing and is having an increased impact on the lives of people around them. Uh, giving as a discipline, giving your money to ministry, um, and it causes you to be free from the love of the world. Uh, it's sort of like the question, have you been vaccinated? I've been vaccinated against worldliness. How do you do that? Give some of your money to God's work. He came up with that idea, not because he was poor, but because he knew what it would do for our heart. Regularly systematic giving is a vaccination against loving the world. Uh, and so, again, it's just a routine. It's, it's not profound. Read the Bible. Spend time in prayer. Give some of your money. Read a good Christian book. Listen to good sermons. Gather together with other believers faithfully, systematically. Uh, it's not rocket science. It's like learning to play the piano. Just do the things that God has ordained that will change us on the inside faithfully, week by week, day by day, month by month, and every day of your life, you will grow. And then you'll get to the end of your life and you'll step into glory and your character will be like that of Jesus because you've faithfully practiced the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Um, it's just doing what you need to do. If you want to be healthy, you control your diet. I'd rather eat ice cream any day. But I know what it does to me. I hate riding that stupid bike. But it's good for me. So I do it. Every day. Every day. Every day. I read my Bible every day. I spend time with God in prayer every day. Uh, it's this basic practice. And as you do that, you'll grow. You'll grow. Now, if it were easy, everybody would be spiritual giants, but not very many are. And uh, the church is like Mount Adams. A whole lot of people start out. And as you get up, there's less. Climb a little farther, there's fewer yet. You get to the top, there's only a couple. And so... A lot of Christians milling around at the bottom, and uh, but not a lot that faithfully practice the disciplines every day and consistently grow in their walk with Christ. It's just choosing to do what changes the inside and choosing to do it almost every day. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, and I thank you that we, though we have this body we live in that's like a big anchor. The devil's constantly nagging at us, tempting us, and the world that we live in is just there 24-7. We have your spirit living in us. Lord, we have your word. We have the promises in it. And we can overcome the world. We can overcome the devil. We can overcome our flesh. We can conquer them all. You've given us everything we need to do that, but we have to be faithful. We're faithful to practice the basic disciplines the Christian life. And as we faithfully practice them, Lord, we will grow. And as we grow, um, our motive gets stronger, our, our vision gets clearer, our motive will become so much more powerful, 
I pray that each of us would be those who run the race with endurance that you've set before us. And when we get to the end of our life, we would say with the Apostle Paul that we'd finish the race and we have finished strong. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.